Hello, and welcome to Back Issue Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about an older comic book storyline. In this back issue spotlight, I'm joined by James, and we're going to be discussing Batman Hush from Batman 608 to 619. The storyline was published from December 2002 to November 2003, so it's about almost 20 years old now. James, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you doing, John? I am doing well. A little tired, but good. Now, this episode's going to be maybe a little different than some of the other back issue spotlights. Yeah. Normally, we'd take a 12-issue story arc like this and split it up into more than one episode just so we'd have a little time to digest it. But we've we've kind of done that because we read this in three sittings, at least I did, for three different meetings of the, the book club. Yeah, we had a really good time doing those little uh, four-issue chunks with a, a group of good guys from the Slack community. Yeah, we had, let's see, Sam, Brawlinator, uh, Andy Tom was on a few times, although not all of them. Who else was on there? Travis, who's Vermont Omnibro, the other Omnibus Collector. Chris Myers. Chris Myers is on there. So, like, we get a ton of people. I mean, sometimes we'll even have, like, Perseus drop in, Jason mm-hmm. drop in. So, and, and some people can't be there for all of them, but it's really kind of a cool group. I mean, you mentioned Andy Tom. It's, it's kind of nice because he's the, the resident artist. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah. like, half the time he'll have something he's sketching and he'll hold it up for us to see the work that he's working on. It makes it kind of cool. Well, and the vantage point everyone was coming at it from was a little different. Uh, We all read the same thing, but got different things out of it. Sam and Andy had a lot of interesting comments on how Jim Lee was kind of hearkening back to an evocative of Dark Knight in a number of places artistically and such. I'll be honest, that kind of stuff was lost on me when I read it. Me too. I didn't realize it. And then when they pointed out, I was like, wow, that was there all along Mm -hmm. And we just didn't see it. I mean, once it's pointed out, it becomes much more obvious. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the the fun stuff about comics is different people can read the same thing and get different things out of it. And sometimes you'll agree with what they got. Sometimes you won't. But even if you don't, just the, the discussion around that can be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, it was a good time because Brawlinator, he, he hosted on a Zoom thing that he has. So thanks to him for hosting it because... Mm-hmm. um. We don't have to pay the Zoom fee or anything. He does it for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And keeps the conversation kind of moving forward through the, the story. Yeah, so we, we all get to look at the same pages, and we get to put faces with voices and names, you know? So many times, like, you see someone typing on the Slack channel, but then it, it, it's so different when you hear their voice and see how they look. And, you know, people get animated. You flip to a certain page, and some people kind of light up. You can see it in their face. and you can tell they want to talk about this, and here's why they're so passionate about this thing. Well, and it's interesting what story nuances hit certain people and are, you know, things I was oblivious to or vice versa. Yeah, yeah. It makes it really cool, and I love those different perspectives. Same thing with the previous Spotlight clips. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you like to hear more people, and I like to hear more people too, because the more people that point things out, we don't all like, like the same stuff. And if, if it's all the same people talking about the exact same books that they like, it's not as fun. Well, uh, people can read the same solicit, get different things out of it. Even if you get the same thing out of the solicit, they bring other baggage to the table 
in terms of, well, I know what this creator has done or is going to do or is, is thinking about or whatever. And again, same thing here. Yeah. Again, using the, the Dark Knight comparisons as a, a prime example, I've read Dark Knight. It's been ages since I've done that. It Well, it'd been probably 20 years since I'd read Hush. Oh, yeah. Because I read it when it first came out, and I remember what a big deal it was. But I'll be honest, I was surprised how much of the story I'd kind of forgotten in the intervening decades. And this is one of those kinds of stories that I, I found it really fun, really enjoyable from that roller coaster ride kind of mindset of, in the moment, it's cool, there's action, there's twists, there's turns. But the minute I stopped and thought about aspects of the story or the art or a few things here and there, there were seams that started to crack in a few places just about shatter near the end. Yeah, it really did. It, it was funny because I, I had I had read Hush before. I'd ordered the omnibus and it got canceled. And so I think I picked up like a trade paperback or something, you know, DC had a reprint because I've heard good things about the story. And so I, I read it before, but even I, having read it not that long ago, I'd forgot a lot of the stuff. And like you said, I, I forgot how disappointed I was with the ending, <laughs> even though the story itself was good. <laughs> well, it was funny because when we got to that a particular page in the final issue, I forget who it was that first commented how much of a Bendis page that was, because you've got pretty much, you know, a shot of Batman and he's just surrounded by word bubbles. Yeah. It's it's the soliloquy scene where they've kind of got to explain the story told thus far because they hadn't explained it thus far. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, the minute that, that Bendis connection, it's like, I can't unsee that now. Because that's what Bendis does in every one of his books. jeez. Oh, <laughs> totally. Totally. Just the, the, the waterfall of word balloons coming down both sides of the page. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> well, and I'd love to see a behind-the-scenes story about how this Batman Hush story came to be in terms of what did Jim Lee bring to the table, what did Jeff Loeb bring to the table and such, because it felt to me, as the jaded reader that I now am, (laughs) that Jim Lee drew one thing and Jeff Loeb had to kind of explain certain parts away. It's like, uh, well, this needed to happen, or this will make that make sense, or it's not that they weren't on the same page, but it felt like Jim Lee was drawing the story he wanted to draw and Jeff Loeb was explaining the story Jim Lee wanted to draw. I feel the exact same way. There were certain places in there where things were explained. The drawings were explained. So you wonder who was holding the cards and who was doing the real storytelling there and who was having to edit or change things. And I don't think Jim Lee was changing very much. I don't think he was changing stuff, but potentially dictating a few things. I, I felt like he was definitely holding the cards. <laughs> I mean, there was there was a place where we got like an autopsy after the fact. Batman's in the Batcave. He's got all the files. You get this cool hologram of how the person died or whatever. And it's like that visually great page. But go a couple issues later near the end where they're explaining everything away. And it's like, wait a second. If 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 you're telling me this now, how could that have happened then? Exactly. <laughs> and I mean. There's a seat-of-the-pants storytelling that some writers do, and some do better than others. I know Mark Wade at one point was a little vocal about how part of what made his Flash run work so well, for him at least, is he would get to the end, he'd hit a cliffhanger, having no idea how he was going to get out of it, figuring if he didn't know, there's no way we, the readers, could know. That's funny. And then the challenge was, in that intervening month, how does he get out of it? You know, and it kept it fresh and, and alive or, you know, whatever for him. 
And by and large, his, his run on The Flash really worked. And there were aspects with Batman Hush where we end on some very cool moments, we get a very dramatic reveal, or what have you. And again, in those moments, as I was reading it month to month originally, it was fun, it was cool. As I was reading it for the book club, you know, four issues in a sitting or whatever, I'm like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> this doesn't make sense, or why, why is this happening here? <laughs> and... I'm one of those crazy people that tries to, you know, interject not reality into my comics. I mean, Superman's in this. The guy can fly. I mean, that's that's insane. But there are certain rules that if you say a character can do this, then okay, I'm going to go with that. But things must follow from there. Exactly. You can't change it on a whim. Yeah. Well, I mean, Batman's cowl appears to be pretty much skin tight or whatever. Yet, I think it was in maybe the first or second issue of this arc. There was a point where little things popped out of it and gas shot out of it or something. Yeah, and you're like, how did that get in there? <laughs> where were the rooms for these gas vents on the side of Batman's cowl? Yeah, that, that was funny. And then Clayface was another one that just comes to mind because he basically displayed some powers that we haven't seen before or since. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like, that's not really what he does. And that was one of the things that just comes to mind. I'm like... It kind of breaks the character a little bit, but okay, we'll just roll with it. It's comics. Okay. Well, it really comes down to the concept of kind of headcanon. There is no canon for some of these characters anymore. It's what do you have in your head? What does the creators, what do they have in theirs? Exactly. And I question, again, what did Jim Lee think of Clayface versus Jeff Loeb versus, I know certainly I don't think he could do certain things he was doing here. But Imagine how different. Did you read that detective run where it was kind of a team Batman book? Yeah, I did read it. It, it was actually pretty decent. It was a lot of fun. Clayface yeah. was in it. I liked it. He was nothing like this. Exactly. Imagine if he was. It, that would have been a different story completely. <laughs> Very different story. Yeah. And so, maybe or maybe not for the better. I don't know. Yeah, it's true. So, I mean, that that's kind of like interesting stuff because like we see things like don't think it's been released yet. No, it was released. The Three Joker back yeah, issue spotlight. Yeah, just came did. out as we were recording yeah. this, yeah. It, it, where we look at things and we see things with the characters that it could have gone somewhere, and yet nobody ever references back to that point and uses that thing again. And Clayface, if this is canon, it's something that you could have seen maybe develop a time or two in the future in stories, but it was never used again. So I don't know if they just went rogue on this, if the editors just said Jim Lee's too important and this happened, and you know Jeff Loeb's written it, okay, and we're hands-off. I, I just don't know how that all played out. I do think there was an aspect, if you've got superstar Jim Lee doing the art on this, so what you might have done as an editor for other creators, you may go back and step back and just say, you know, it's Jim Lee, it's going to sell great. And this did sell great. Yeah, this probably sold gangbusters. And, and honestly, Jim Lee drew basically Batman's rogues gallery in this book. Oh, yeah. So you had the appearance of everyone coming up, and it, it made it a lot of fun, you know, all the appearances of all the characters. It was a solid year in terms of excitement and energy, maybe not in terms of bulletproof tight writing or something. But, you know, I recall doing charts of the Batman sales, and it was more or less at one level. Hush started. It shot way the hell up. Stayed more or less at that level for a year, and then shot more or less straight back to where it was before Hush, after that. Yeah. You know, it was something that was just, it was head and shoulders above everything else sales-wise. And again, people were excited, there's some cool moments in this, it's an enjoyable in-the-moment story, 
the more I was reading of it this time around, the more insane I thought certain parts were. Yeah. I mean, at one point, Batman is underwater and he's got like propellers in his boots or something. That was insanity with that. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. Propellers move by pushing water. There's no inlets for these things. These are tiny, tiny. I mean, maybe maybe the size of a quarter tops. Yeah. How is this propelling this guy? This guy is not a lightweight guy. He's got, got these big boots. And yeah, he's basically like Aquaman under the water. <laughs> yeah. That was hilarious. When you pointed that out. Because I first read, I didn't notice that. And that's one of the things, like you said, book club, you saw it, I didn't, but you pointing that out, I'll never miss it going forward if I revisit this story. Mm -hmm. So it made it really cool. And honestly, four issues, we spend a couple hours and 30 minutes of it's just jawing and having fun. And the other time we're just kind of going through the story and just pointing things out that we noticed and things we liked. Makes it a lot of fun. Oh yeah, I got a lot out of doing this with the book club and stuff because I always have a hard time when I'm reading something like this. Now this is set 20 years ago. Now that puts it pre-Flashpoint by a decade, about. Yep. So it's in a different continuity than we're in today, arguably, although Batman kind of sort of jumped the gap without changing too much, so maybe not. But, like, Sam was doing a really great job of, okay, this was a little bit after this, a little bit before this, and doing a better job of placing it within the publishing timeline. I, I hesitate to say continuity, because DC's a little, little fast and loose at times with that. Yeah. I, I struggle doing that. I was kind of impressed with Sam because his memory is pretty sharp on mm -hmm. knowing when stuff happened. And it's just top of the mind. I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. Well, he's really good at that. And I think the challenge with that kind of a stuff is it all comes down to what have you read? Yes. very. And much so. then what can you remember of what you've read? That's a big thing because it seems like, I mean, and let's use you and Sam. Sam's read a lot of DC. Mm -hmm. uh, more DC than he has Marvel, and he, but he hasn't read a lot recently. So he's kind of like that long-term memory, you know, he has everything archived from like the late 70s or whatever, you know, through the 80s and up until the 90s, you know. Mm -hmm. And with your breadth of knowledge with the 70,000 books and the stuff, it, it, it's probably a lot more comics than he's read. And plus you're getting current issues too. Mm -hmm. And so it's it, it kind of jumbles things up. You know, you're like, where is this? Because I've been reading for... 40, 50 years, not 50, but 40 years, and that's a lot of material. Well, and when they restart Origins, or they go back to, to year one a few times, or they, they decide, no, no, this is this character's origin, not that, it does get confusing when you've got those conflicting continuities and such. Exactly. And there were a couple of points in, in Hush where we're, we're tying into like Amanda Waller for a little bit, although she's in and then just vanishes from the story. Yeah. We've got Superman, and we've got President Lex. It's like, oh yeah, that's where Lex was at at this point. You know, and just having a couple of memory jogs is helpful, but even then, sometimes it's not enough. Yeah, it does make it confusing. And, uh, you know, with Marvel not having rebooted the characters, you can kind of determine it. You know the origin of, like, uh, I'm trying to think of someone, Wolverine, let's say. Mm -hmm. You know his origin. It hasn't changed. They haven't changed the, you know, what happened, what he did, where he came from. And the same is true for Iceman or Reed Richards, whoever. It, but a lot of the characters in DC, they changed them with the New 52. They changed yeah. them now. And so it's harder because you're trying to think, is this the one that died? Is this the one that didn't die? 
What about that Superman who existed and then exploded? Does he, did that happen? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, and right after that, they've got the old Superman who's now kind of the new Superman for Batman and Wonder Woman. They're not getting along. And then there's some wavy hands and suddenly that had never happened again. Yeah. And and it's funny because I think Marvel has been more explicit about playing fast and loose with the continuity. Yeah. It still has a tighter continuity, generally speaking than DC that I think's put more of a focus on continuity, but really blown it out of the water a few times. Which is very interesting, isn't it? Uh, the ones who are, are fast and loose because they haven't rebooted it, I think. It makes it tighter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a couple of things you got to gloss over on the Marvel side, the whole Teen Tony thing with Iron Man and a few things yeah. like that. But there's some aspects... I mean, there were some major reveals here of who knew what that I'd like totally forgotten about. And it's like, oh, well, I guess at this point... This person absolutely knows this. It, there, there's no way they can't after this scene. They're, they're told it, they acknowledge it, but there are aspects of information reveals to characters that I think fundamentally change the stories you can tell. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And this is one that a lot of people put up there as a kind of a hallmark go-to Batman story. And in terms of fun story, absolutely. In terms of good story, for me, not so much. Yeah, <laughs> I would say fun story, more like on, I'm not saying it's the same, like you're reading the All Out Avengers. It's not necessarily told very well, but it's a lot of fun when you're reading it because <laughs> um, you can pull holes in this. And Jeff Loeb is a good writer, but yeah, he definitely left some holes in here. I felt like he could have done some really cool stuff in issue, I think it was 11 or the 11th issue, whatever that was, 618 or whatever, mm-hmm. because there was an opening with Robin that he had. And that's where I thought it could have been so cool. This would have been the reveal. This could have been the thing, the aha moment. And they could have taken the whole thing in a different direction with that follow-up, you know, 619. And now Robin is back. And how are we going to handle this? And what's the status quo? And instead is like, haha, you know, the, the joke's on you. <laughs> well, it got to the point where by the end of it, when they kind of revealed who the mastermind of all of this was, I'm like, Okay, I'll buy that, but as to who Hush really was, you y- you faked me out enough times that I'm getting skeptical about anything you tell me now, storyteller. Exactly. You fake me, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times. I'm like, okay, now I'm not believing it's you. It's not even fooling me. It's jerking my chain or whatever. It's like, come yeah. on. <laughs> the and writer who cried wolf. <laughs> there's an aspect where I feel Jeff Loeb was more the scripter than the writer. I felt that too. I really did. I felt like it was a Jim Lee story. Yeah. And it, it was written very well as far as, I mean, written as far as the art. But like you said, the scripting in it, and it's because I think he was, the art was drawn and he was writing based on the pictures. And I think Jim Lee definitely said, hey, let's do this. And Jeff Loeb scripted for that story. Yeah, I imagine the two sat down, had a long discussion, whether in person, over the phone, whatever, figured out, okay, what? What do we want in the story? Oh, you want all the Batman, major Batman villains. Got it. We want to introduce a new Batman villain. Got it. Okay, you want some action. You want this. You want that. Oh, you want, you know, this kind of of aspect of this story for these two characters. Okay. Cool. And then I think Jeff Loeb kind of sketched out what the arc was going to be over the the 12 issues, what the showcase pieces were going to be. But it would not surprise me if this was done more Marvel style with a... Here's the basic description of what happens in this issue. Jim Lee goes, runs with it, you know, either thumbnails or fully pencils the pages, hands it back to Jeff Loeb, who's then got to 
you know, put in the dialogue, the captions, and, and what have you. Now, I have no idea if that's how it happened or not. It feels like that's how it happened. That's exactly it. It feels like it. It feels like the Marvel way of doing things back in the day. Mm-hmm. And so if that's what happened, I'm completely cool with that. And it was a fun exercise. It was. But when we've got a couple of things where particularly in the later issues, it felt like mainly in that last one, but also a little before that retcon after retcon after retcon just within the arc of the story. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody shoots a bullet at the Batmobile and it explodes. Wait, <laughs> let's have another panel a page or two later to say, oh, you didn't see me put the C4 over there, did you? It's like, no, I didn't. I'm the reader. You know, they're not fair if you don't show me these things. Exactly. <laughs> but when you shoot the armored Batmobile and it explodes, you kind of got to explain what the hell happened there. Yeah. We got another one where the bullet pierces the tire. Of course, the tire flew the wrong way, but the tire came completely off and ripped the pieces. And there had to be an explanation blurb. Oh, you know, because of this, that's what happened. Normally, he has run flat tires, blah, 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 you know, kind of explaining how that happened. It's funny, and I don't want to reveal who the character is. Yeah. There's a character brought in in 618 that actually would have been a real easy way to have explained some of what happened with those things. Yes. But I felt that character was brought in just to acknowledge they had existed and to get them out of the Batman story forevermore. Yeah. And I'm like, why? And now, 20 years later, somebody picking this up, unless they had read the era of Batman this character was really featured in, are going to have no idea who this character was, why he's there, what, what the relevance is or anything. Yeah. What, why is this happening? What's going on? This is weird. Yeah. And it's funny because there are certain members of supporting casts, be it the people at the Daily Planet, the circle of characters in Batman or Spider-Man or whatever character. Some are perennial. They're always there. Jim Gordon, Lois Lane, J. Jonah Jameson, characters like that that you just never don't have. But then there are others that are almost pet characters of particular creative teams or editorial offices or whatever. They're introduced, they're a big deal for a year, five years, maybe a decade, maybe even longer than that, but then something changes and they're like never seen again. Yeah, they disappear. Like, we had Kite Man for a while. He's gone. I was thinking Steve Lombard in the uh, the Superman stuff. Oh, yeah. It, well, also, like, we're looking at Zdarsky right now writing Batman. Mm-hmm. We have this failsafe character. Do you think failsafe will be around in 10 years? Five years? Not as a recurring character, but as something that gets pulled out 10, 20 years from now? Yeah, we'll get another storyline on that. That's exactly. It's something like where I don't think he'll stick around, but someone will be like, oh, remember that cool thing that happened that we never did anything with? Let's use it. Well, how about the current mayor of, of Gotham? Yeah. Oh, what's her name? I can't remember. Well, we've had two or three lately. <laughs> I was thinking I Naranko or whatever his name was. Oh, him. Yeah, yeah. But that's one of those. I'm Who's... thinking of the mayor of Bloodhaven. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That one may stick around. I don't know. Maybe not yes. as mayor, but still. But there are some of those characters that they come, they do their thing, and they're gone. Whereas, again, Commissioner Gordon, that's one of the pillars of the Batman mythos. He's always there. So to have a few story points in Hush hinge on one character that was new to the, the arc, yep. another character that was pulled in for no apparent reason, and a few things like that, it's like, not working for me. Yeah, exactly. It makes the story a little bit confusing, especially looking back and not being in the modern day books that are coming out every month. We go back and we look at it, and you're like, it just doesn't mesh together very well. It just mm-hmm. feels a little disjointed, a little bit broken. And 
so that's a weird thing. It's like a fun story, cool art, stuff like that. But yeah, the story, it, it's not, it doesn't hold the test of time. It, it shouldn't be a perennial seller just based on the story alone. I think it's more on the art than the story. I would agree. I, I think if you're a Jim Lee fan, this is the ultimate Jim Lee art fest. Imagine, though, if instead of Jeff Loeb, who did a, an okay job here, I don't think it was his best work. It's certainly not his worst either. Imagine, though, if we had had somebody like Greg Rucka. Oh, yeah. Who can write some really tight stuff, knows the, the DC and Batman mythos really well, I think. If he had basically been able to sit down with Jim Lee, oh, you want all the, the key members of the rogues gallery, you want to introduce a new one, you want this, you want that. Basically, that same kind of conversation we imagine may have happened with, with Jeff Loeb and stuff, if that had happened with Greg Rucka and he'd had time to actually craft the story, I think we could have had something that just totally blew the sales this had out of the water. I agree. that that This would probably be the best Batman story of all time if Greg Rucka was writing it. <laughs> just because of the art alone, Greg Rucka, I know how he writes. Mm-hmm. And just having all the characters in there, just the amount and the plethora, the rogues gallery having it all in this, this would be something that would be in a hardcover that would be sold every year. It would never go out of print. It would be the must-read Batman story, and I think there'd be a lot more things that were set up at the beginning that paid off at the end and throughout versus having to be explained away at the end. Exactly, because he would have done something, I think, very cool on the Robin aspect. I think he would have done it. It it probably would have been a completely different story, but if he would have done that, I think it would have had a payoff versus a little bit of a letdown. I think Hush would have become almost the Lex Luthor equivalent for Batman. I do too. For Superman, you know? That could still be having reverberations to this day. Yeah. I mean, Hush has come back a few times, but I don't think he's really a member of the Rogues Gallery the way Joker or some of these other characters are. No, it's it's someone that you you see from time to time. I hate to say it like this, but it almost just keeps the IP alive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very much. And, And that's how it feels. So. It would, which is a little bit unfortunate, but it's understandable, you know, until someone writes that definitive Hush story, and this is definitely not definitive. I, I don't think he'll ever amount to something like that. This established Hush, this arguably is the definitive Hush story. It's just a little disappointing. Yeah, it's disappointing. That's true. <laughs> I feel like this story can be one-upped <laughs> very easily using the same characters. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think a better story with the character could be done. In other words, I it'd be easier to tell a tighter story that made more sense overall, etc. Could you one-up this, which is both the origin of Hush and his master plan against Batman? I think that would be tough to do. I think it'd be tough, but I think it'd be doable with the right creative team. And I I think it could be done, but it would be very difficult. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to see that, but I think part of it is if you do another story with Hush of that caliber, You've got to be doing it with this is the backstory. Exactly. Which in and of itself kind of weakens things. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. You, you don't does. have the solid foundation of which to work from. It's true. It, because when you find out who Hush is, I felt let down. Did you? Well, the first three times, certainly by the last <laughs> time, of course. But the last one, when the ultimate reveal was the most disappointing of all the reveals. And that's what I just feel like there was such a good story here, but it kind of fumbled. Eh. It yeah. happens. It well, happens. It does. And again, I got to that last one, and I'm like, wait a sec. You've got the amount of exposition that was in that final issue to, like I said, explain everything away. 
Yeah. Oh, this was happening because of this that we kind of maybe hinted at or maybe you guessed at, but we're just going to tell you what happened. Thump, here it is. It was it was very disappointing in that respect. It really was. Yeah. So, I mean, it, overall, but I, I would say more than anything, I enjoyed this story more going over to it with the guys mm-hmm. from from the book club because you guys showed me things that I missed on my first reading and my second reading. <laughs> you guys pointed out things on art that I didn't notice. You guys pointed out things, going, like you said, going back to the Dark Knight. Yeah. And just the history behind it, because I didn't, I don't have a lot of DC history. So hearing you and both Sam going back to this was happening at this time and this was going on and here's why they were doing this. And I'd be like, oh, okay, I never knew that. So I didn't have that frame of reference. So now I have context for the story, which it's not needed for it, but it helps. It just gives you more depth and more enjoyment for what I'm reading. Oh, yeah, it's totally helpful. I, I enjoyed that aspect of the conversations a lot. There were a couple of times when I would push and here, here's what I thought and somebody would push back of, well, what about this? Or I didn't see it that way. Or, you know, are you thinking about this? And it's like, oh, okay. You know, it, it challenges my thinking and sometimes changes my thinking on stuff. Yeah, I agree. It, it really is kind of cool. I mean, it, it's fun. And like we've said, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but I know you've been on a couple of the book clubs. I've been on all of them. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I really enjoy, Andy Tom comes not all the time, but he comes quite a bit. But because he works with art a lot, he really knows his craft. You know, he's yeah. done comic yeah. covers and stuff. And so he'll t- he'll point out things on a page. This is my favorite page, and this is why. If you notice, here's the line work, and here's how he's doing this. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's stuff where you're like, oh, I didn't know that. Or here's how he's doing the special effect, which maybe you know this. I mean, you've read comics, so you know a lot of it. But I don't know this stuff. And he points it out just as a, like an aside. But he really brings something to the conversation, which I don't have. I have reading comics. That's all I have. I have the, oh, I like this art. I couldn't tell you why I like it. Yeah. And him explaining it, I'm like, oh, that's exactly why I like it. (laughs) I mean, there's an interesting podcast idea for somebody to do if they had the right group of people. Get somebody who has done every aspect of, you know, different people for different aspects, of course, but somebody who's got the insight on the writing track on comics. Here's why they did this. Here's why they did this. Here's what the editor pushed back on or may have pushed back on or should have pushed back on. Here's, you know, from a colorist perspective, why maybe they made this change or this decision to to wash the color all out this way or to, to really have this pop or what have you, or why they made that brilliant decision to put red text on a black background that's unreadable or something of that sort. <laughs> you know, or is that the letterer? And getting it to where, again, you know, Andy's perspective on the the art side of it, Sam's perspective on the history side of it and such. Imagine if you had people that are very experienced comic professionals that are able to, you know, kind of, I don't want to say explain away, but but give you that insight onto the, a little of how the sausage is made, but also how to just kind of enjoy the comics a little better. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I I think that's why... Just on my on the personal side, I listen to the Rob Servations. Not not every episode is the best episode, you know. Mm-hmm. But he goes back into the past, you know. He talks about a lot of the '80s and you know '90s and this and that and art that he did. But sometimes he'll go into the how the sausage is made on the business side, and here's mm-hmm. what happened, and here's what this conversation that was had, and this guy was sitting here, and this guy was sitting here, and he was yelling at this guy, and stuff that you and I never see, and he so he's talking about it. And he'll be like, here's what proves my point. 
when Todd McFarlane was saying this about me and I said this, here's the proof of it. And, he, you know, it's just kind of fun. Yeah. Like you said, the, the, hearing the professional give you that background. And it doesn't have to be confrontational, but just hearing the how the sausage is made is kind of cool sometimes. You're like, oh, interesting. I didn't know that. <laughs> and you know what? I have a lot of fun with it with you because you have so much more knowledge than me in general, and your memory's so much better than mine. Mine's, mine's horrible. The, you and I just doing, uh, you know, when we do comic spotlights mm-hmm. and stuff, y- you'll remember things and point things out, which is just like eye-opening to me. Wow, interesting. Well, I think there's multiple levels of enjoyment you can get out of a comic and multiple angles to come at it from. Yeah. There's the aspect of, if you've never read any comic before, how does this stand? And then there's the aspect of, if you're steeped in the continuity, does that make this better? Does that make it worse? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So before this, what what was the book club we did before this when you were on? The, the first one that you did? JLA Avengers. JLA Avengers. And that was right after George uh, uh, Perez. Perez died, which was a great pick. It was kind of cool. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you found some stuff going back, that defunct comic company, I can't even think of the Cross name Gen. of it. CrossGen. in the art, which was so cool. I never would have noticed that. And But I mean, we've had fun and we do, we pick different stories. So we do DC stuff. We do Marvel stuff. We've done independent stuff. I mean, the very first book club that we did on Zoom was Why the Last Man and Eric from Cowabunga was on that. And, he, and he's usually a busy guy, but he's like, I read Why the Last Man every year, once at least a year. It's his favorite story, and so he came with us, and he's read it so many times, he almost has the book memorized. But it, it, it's just like, it's really cool to get together and just different things. We don't even go over my favorite books, but I'm okay with that because I like experiencing different stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, getting so many different perspectives on the same story, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. So. I'm super happy about it, and you know what I I look at the book club as? Hmm. Remember how you used to have the uh, call-in, where people would call in on the weekend? Yes, the monthly teleconference and such. Yeah, it's basically evolved into Zoom meetings now, where we go over books. (laughs) But we spend a lot of time talking, too. We'll we'll spend a good 30, 45 minutes just shooting the breeze and getting to know each other and having fun and laughing, Mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. I I, I really like that, because you're like my nerdy group of friends, because I don't have a lot around here. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a, my workout CrossFit friends, but you, you guys are like my, 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 in my heart, you know, you're my nerdy friends. <laughs> no, I totally get that. It's fun to read comics, but it's also fun to be able to talk about what you've read in the comics. Yeah, because I read stuff and there's nobody I can talk to. The people around here that I talk to about stuff, they ask me questions because I know the stuff, mm-hmm. but, but all they know is the Marvel movies or... I was going to say... They're asking who this character from the movie was or, or whatnot, but if you get into too much detail, their eyes glaze over, I bet. Yeah, I start telling them this and that, and that you could see them mentally checking out. They're like, all right, well, we won't talk about this then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've got to imagine with Black Adam having just come out, that across the nation, there are the occasional questions to the, the local comic geek at the office or whatever. Of, Can you explain Hawkman? Yeah, what is it? What is this bird guy flying around? <laughs> Which will inevitably lead to to eyes glazing over and brains melting on all sides, because that's just insane continuity or discontinuity. Discontinuity and oh yeah, he keeps coming back and Thanagarians. And <laughs> yeah, but yeah. The the book club's a ton of fun. I don't always join in. Don't always have the time and stuff. And I'll be honest, don't always have the interest, depending what what's being read. But we've got a channel on Slack for book club. 
Easy way to find out what's going on, when the next thing's going to be, help pick what the next item's going to be. As we record this beginning of November, there's talk about getting a, a get-together or two just to, to hang out, not read anything, but just hang out and talk and stuff for the holidays. Yeah. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're looking at either November 17th or December 15th. It's because like everyone's busy around the holidays, you know, Thanksgiving, yeah. Christmas, families, travel. And so instead of just like flushing it and saying, you know, giving out homework, hey, let's meet over three weeks and everyone's stressed out. Yeah, we'll just pick one day. We'll hang out. We'll just be like, what's up, guys? And we'll have a good time. We'll probably shoot the breeze for two hours and just, you know, have fun. Mm -hmm. And it's really kind of cool because like uh, what we talk about, you know, it may be modern comics, it may be old stuff, it may be art. I I wouldn't doubt if Andy Tomzer is going to hold up a piece of art. Look at this Nightwing I drew for Eric. Eric's going to show up and be like sorting comics in the background. You'll get to see him doing that on video. It's hilarious. Uh (laughs) It's yeah. just a, it's just a lot of fun. We we're all doing different things. We just laugh and joke and have a good time. Well, and it's another way to to engage with the community around the podcast and stuff. Exactly, because we're, we're we become almost like a little like a little family here. You know, our little nerdy family where we get together. We just get to know each other like a bunch of like a brothers. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is a a core group that we've got on on Slack. We get a little of that over on the forum and stuff. Certainly with the book club and stuff. There's also a large contingent of, of listeners out there that are, you know, just happy and content to, to listen to the podcast and that's it. And that's cool. But if you do want to get a little more engaged and stuff, have somebody to talk comics with, again, Slack, the book club, these are some great opportunities. Yeah, it, it's it's a really a lot of fun and nobody's really intimidating. I think we all just have a good time and I, I feel like everyone's pretty welcoming. I think so too. Yeah, so it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So I'm glad we read this because, like I said, I hadn't reread Hush since it came out. Me too. I'm I'm happy we read it, and now I appreciate the story even more, even though it doesn't work for me very well. <laughs> well I can I mean, say I appreciate the story even more, but... <laughs> I appreciate the things that you guys pointed out to me, I'll yeah, say. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the discussion around the story, because I'll be honest, there are a couple of places where it's like, really, that's where it went? Oh, I'd forgotten that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was definitely... a disappointing story if you're gonna pick out the definitive batman story i would say please do not point to this yeah i wouldn't point to this i'm not sure what i would point to and again this was a fun read it just doesn't hold water yeah it, it, it's that cheeseburger you can enjoy it but there's yeah. nothing nutritional about it <laughs> yeah yeah anything else no that does it for me cool Recording clips for the preview Spotlight episodes is easy, and we've got an open submission policy for these episodes. Please send in clips to support the comics you love as often as you can. If you'd like to get email reminders for the preview Spotlight episodes, you can join the emailing list on the main page of the comicbookpage.com website. The deadline is typically the second Saturday of the month at 9am. Check the main page of the website for more information and the exact deadline for the next preview Spotlight. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.